You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Soupcast, coming to you from Archaeosoup Towers. By popular demand, we're taking selected videos from the Archaeosoup back catalogue and bringing them to you as convenient podcasts. As the name implies, with Archaeosoup you get a bit of everything thrown into the pot. Archaeology, discussion, humour and debate. You can find out more at archaeosoup.com. So sit back, relax and enjoy our hearty helping of Archaeosoup. Hello, good morning, uh, Professor Ian Haynes. It's a pleasure to have you on Meet the Archaeologist. Can you just, I suppose, introduce yourself formally and also your role here at the Newcastle Archaeology Department? So, um, I have served here at Newcastle as Director of Research for the School of History, Classics and Archaeology, uh, Head of Archaeology, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm now essentially running uh, an entity called Freddy, the Frontiers of the Roman Empire Digital hum- Humanities Initiative. I teach, of course, uh, a range of undergraduate courses, a series of uh, graduate uh, seminar courses, um, and uh, that means essentially master's teaching uh, with uh, the normal range of PhD supervision and working with uh, teams of postdocs on a, on a raft of, of different field projects as mm-hmm. well. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, that sounds like you have quite a lot on your plate. Um, <laughs> how, how did you get to be at uh, this particular stage in your career? What, what would you say has been an important part of your career trajectory? Um, good fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, the generosity of other colleagues. Um, a, a willingness to take risks a recognition that archaeological career paths aren't actually normally linear. Mm. Uh, So working in a range of different fields, working in the commercial sector, working in the museum's world, as well as the the more perhaps uh, obvious elements of the academic career. Mm -hmm. Um, A commitment to to learning from from people who I regard the the smartest and most admirable in the field. Um, And essentially, I think, uh, a willingness to see at this level, that your role uh, should be very much about facilitating work and being um, essentially uh, an envoy and an ambassador for for your subject. Archaeology is something that is ultimately uh, essentially very much a team Mm -hmm. endeavour. And and so it's about building teams, uh, facilitating teams, uh, joining teams and helping other teams, uh, which may actually not necessarily directly benefit you, mm. but are vital for the growth of the discipline, mm. and, that, and that that that's something to be stuck in. And I think that's all together uh, helped me to get into this particular role. Okay, okay. Now it's interesting actually that that you say that because uh, there is this image, this idea, especially in popular culture, that archaeology is a uh, is a lonely subject. You often see the silhouettes, for example, in movies of a, an archaeologist on a mountain top or something, you know. Um, but, uh, but as you say, I suppose the, the team is what produces the data and therefore ultimately um, helps with interpretation. But uh, do you think that there's, there's something to be said for uh, for eventually certain you know, individuals taking data and interpreting it, synthesizing it? Or do you think actually that, that there should be more? team effort when it comes to actually discussing what archaeology means as, as well as producing it? 
I think in uh, I think there are a couple of different things in that. I mean, I think one of the points is uh, that many people find it easier uh, when looking at any complex endeavour mm. to 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 hone in on an individual mm. and I and to see that individual as the sort of superstar facilitator. Um, I think that can be extremely problematic uh, in many cases because it just ain't so. Archaeological projects can actually uh, fall down extremely badly uh, at the weakest or least experienced link in, in the chain. Mm. It's a, an old joke, of course, on excavations that the most important or most fragile find is normally the one recovered by the least experienced uh, person. And um, on the last day. And on the last day. <laughs> and on the edge of the site or in the spoil heap. Yes, all of those things. So I think that there are real dangers in this fixation on the great individual. Mm. Um, on the other hand, when you're dealing with projects of great complexity, there has to be a point in which you draw draw certain lines. Mm. Certain things have to be achieved. Uh, certain budgets have to be operated within. Mm. Certain times have to be called. And so there is uh, that vital element. And of course, uh, bringing together uh, an increasingly bewildering and impressive array of specialist insight. Yes, it is a big task, and it does really require a great deal uh, of um, academic, scholarly, field leadership, mm. often in really physically very difficult conditions. And uh, I was just thinking today, actually, I'm, I'm wearing a suit for, uh, for, for this. <laughs> I, I, I should emphasize that this is not how I normally dress. Um, and I think that's another facet, really, of archaeology, that uh, you may be there, of course, in the boardroom, um, uh, particularly at professorial level. You may be there in the boardroom. You may be there, of course, uh, with, with the hat out for your next tranche of funding. That's often a suit moment, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you're just as likely, of course, to be up to your armpits in, in, in mud in a howling gale hoping that you are doing the right thing by the team mm -hmm. and even actually in those situations when you might be doing what looks rather like very boring clerical work while other people are doing the fun stuff mm -hmm. so you know we all need one another but equally of course uh, you you need elements of uh, direction uh, in order to make sure that the the complexity of archaeological research is achieved. Mm, steering the ship, I suppose. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Um, now, it, 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 as far as large projects go, then, um, I'm intrigued by this uh, borders of the Roman Empire thing. Um, what exactly is it? Is it just about the, about the border that we're currently more Well, well we, we, I mean, my projects vary quite dramatically in form. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, in, in the field, uh, of course, um, I, I just completed um, project directing with the excellent Tony, Tony Wilmot, who's a, a field director. Um, uh, the uh, work at Maryport, which is which is part of what we often think of as the Hadrian's Wall system, mm -hmm. but I've worked uh, in many different parts of the Roman Empire. Uh, I've worked quite extensively on, on the Danube. I've worked a little bit in in, in 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 Germany. I've worked out on the on the fringes of the Black Sea. So I've had a, a strong field interest in in many areas of the frontier communities, if you like, of the mm -hmm. Roman Empire. Um, those have to be set on uh, alongside, and I think I hope usefully set alongside some of the work I do uh, at the heart of the Roman Empire too. I work on on big big data projects actually, so so quite high tech projects uh, in Rome, notably uh, under 
the Pope's uh, Cathedral, the Lateran Basilica, where it's a lot of uh, big data work. So when um, I was was asked to uh, establish a, a digital humanities initiative within the university, uh, working with Professor Peter Stone, um, one of the things that we were interested in is is actually a the future of digital humanities. Uh, and B, what the needs of one of only, I think, two now uh, international World Heritage sites were from a researcher's point of view, from a scholar's point of view, how do you understand the edge of, of the Roman Empire, from a public point of view, from a cultural um, protection point of view. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously there are so many very rapid developments coming forward uh, in the digital world. Many people encounter them in terms of how data is presented but it's also important that we're looking ahead to the next generations of how uh, digital humanities allow us to think differently about mm. data. Mm. So these are things that we're wrestling with. Uh, in some cases, we're doing the normal, what's an increasingly normalized sort of thing, different methods of visualization, immersion, four-dimensional four modeling. Um, but in other ways, uh, it, it's taking us back to how can we ask and get some answers to mm -hmm. bigger questions than were ever really conceivably realisable before. In terms of uh, understanding, for example, the, the, the Hadrian's Wall border uh, in terms of the Roman Empire, what in um, what many people would concern, con consider to be real terms, as it were, is coming out of this, this data analysis? Because you're using terms like four-dimensional analysis and, and digital humanities. Uh, can you put that into some sort of context as to maybe some something new that you, that has been understood about this landscape um, through through this the, the, these methods? Well, I think we're we're looking uh, uh, consistently at new new conceptual frontiers. Um, so, for example, with uh, the excellent uh, Dr. Rob Collins, who's part of the Freddie team, uh, we're looking at things like the potential uh, for human terrain uh, an analysis. Uh, cross-cultural comparisons, looking at it, themes of permeability and sustainability uh, of the frontier. 4D, of course, the fourth dimension is time. Mm -hmm. And particularly when you're looking at uh, Hadrian's Wall, uh, many people, scholars included, tend to think of it as, as almost uh, preserved in aspic uh, in the early uh, second century AD. It's designed, it's constructed, okay, they pop up to, uh, to, to Scotland for a while, those Romans, and then they come back, and then bump you got Hadrian's Wall. Of course, you've got centuries of that wall and its communities evolving, adapting. You've got very interesting changes going on uh, in, in, in Northern Britain uh, more generally. Mm -hmm. uh, so thinking about those points is, is, is extremely important. Um, one area where I've been using uh, digital technologies in a different way, um, but which is contemporary uh, with the Frontier Zone, is actually though back in Rome itself on mm. the, the Lateran project. Uh, and this is uh, one of the biggest data projects that has been uh, produced in, in, in urban archaeology, certainly, um, involving the, the detailed, um, therefore sub-millimeter laser scanning of a colossal uh, area of underground archaeology, some of it up to eight and a half meters uh, beneath the streets of Rome. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of our challenges there is laser scanning is tremendously exciting. It pr produces a, 
remarkable digital models, but how do you then give that analytical power? Mm. So there, there's been a very important crossover with working with, with architects, and I think particularly of my excellent colleague, Ewan Peverett, a very talented uh, architect, and actually looking at how we move the digital data into uh, thinking about the different structural possibilities mm. and the interactivity between spaces. Um, we're also there working with leading uh, specialists in um, subsurface prospection. And uh, amongst those, I mean, I've been lucky in the, in the more distant past to work with the excellent Meg Waters, um, who is a uh, developed uh, in her, her doctoral work the 3, 3D modeling uh, of uh, GPR or radar anomalies. Mm -hmm. And there we worked on uh, what we called three-tier visualization, how you can pull together subsurface modeled anomalies into a three-dimensional model, uh, which includes standing building structures derived from laser scanning. Mm. Um, and you know, a, a great international cast working on that one. And I think that's one of the things that links the work I'm doing at the heart of Rome with colleagues like Paolo, uh, such as Paolo Liverani, um, uh, Salvatore Piro, uh, and others with work I'm doing on the more distant distant frontiers, mm. uh, just bringing together international expertise, facilitated of course through digital information, allowing you all to work through problems simultaneously, to link this material uh, spatially in new ways, uh, uh, and to, to actually take a more step-by-step -step interdisciplinary advance into understanding of what's going on. So the connecting of these different spaces, uh, and you mentioned for example prospection um, as well, it uh, sounds like a very interesting way of, of adding that fourth dimension because actually you're able to, especially in a city like Rome, possibly come to new understandings of the use of space and how that space yeah, affects absolutely. the modern world above. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, this is, this is something that is very much key to understanding what's going on at the Lateran. Mm. Uh, today, uh, you have one of the great basilican churches of, of Rome. It is actually the, the Pope's Cathedral. People think that's St. Peter's, but the, the Lateran. Um, and that sits on metres and metres of very, very significant development. Uh, and I would actually put this as, as, as one of the single most important spaces for understanding the transformation of the city of Rome uh, from the empire uh, into late antiquity. And so you can physically, given the way that Rome has actually been constructed over the years, not the kind of uh, destruction of all earlier features before you build a new, new structure, but rather levelling many preceding era of structures off at, say, um, upper storey levels, you can actually walk through multiple elements of the city's stratigraphy. Mm. So this means that as you're walking through, quite literally, the remains of first century domestic dwellings with the frescoes still on the wall, and then walking up into the remains of the Emperor's Horse Guards barracks, and then walking up into the remains of the Constantinian Basilica, and then walking up again into the modern, modern church, you, you were getting a sense of how that fourth dimension is working, and how far different conceptual steps within the evolving topography of Rome mm. make possible the Rome that we can see today. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a, a realised stratigraphy in some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well absolutely. Mm. Yeah. That's very yeah. interesting. Um, okay, well, uh, more broadly, what for you is the most satisfying thing about being an archaeologist, being able to you know, come here every day and do what you do as it were? You know, it's, uh, it's a privilege. 
first of all, I think it is a tremendous privilege. Why is it so satisfying? I think, first of all, You've asked me as an archaeologist. What I would say is, yes, I am an archaeologist, of mm. course. I'm a professor of archaeology. I understand archaeological method, I hope, very well. Always hoping to understand it better. Um, but ultimately, I'm a person who asks questions about human societies, sometimes right up to the present day, using material culture as a key instrument, because it is actually, we're all archaeologists. We all use material culture. We all inform others through material culture. So I just do that professionally. But when we come to the past particularly, I would always say we come to it as beggars rather than choosers. Of course we have to select our approaches, of course we can't do everything all of the time. But what we've got to do uh, is recognise that our research might take us into a whole range of different research avenues and methodologies. So I hope I'm someone who first and foremost asks questions about the past mm -hmm. and brings in information wherever is appropriate. And that that's part of what's tremendously satisfying because you're never at the end of a conversation in one way. Of course, you need to be at the end of the project. You need to see certain things published and then you hope come, other folks are going to come back and give you a really hard time over what you've written. And that'll drive us all forward ultimately. Mm -hmm. But it's that sense of actually um, being able to engage it. And if I find something really, really powerfully fascinating, it may be here, maybe the Black Sea, maybe deep underneath Rome itself. It may be a new area of cultural contact, Rome's reach uh, for good and for, 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 for evil uh, could sometimes be very far-reaching indeed. Then there is a, uh, um, a, 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 an opportunity there to, to e explore that. Mm. And, uh, and of course, good and evil in, in this context, uh, I'm ultimately about looking at a different society, not becoming an adherent of it, a cultural critique. Uh, I'm interested in just looking at how these things work. So that brings me to the final point of why being an archaeologist is, 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 is so interesting for me. Um, archaeology combines often, when you're looking at past societies, an extraordinary level of intimacy with an interesting level of distance. Mm -hmm. It's something that allows you to engage with some very big questions, not in a safe or easy space, because many of these questions have very powerful resonances in our own time, but in a way uh, that, that nonetheless continues to force reflection mm -hmm. onto the human condition. in CRM, a weekly podcast. Ask CRM professionals eight simple questions. The first questions establish education, location, and experience. The last questions are a reflection of that experience, and the answers will surprise you. Check out the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. On that page, you can also request to be interviewed for the show. It only takes 20 minutes and you don't need any special equipment. Let's get back to the show. Now, <clears throat> just, just as a follow-up to that, I suppose, you touched on something which I, I actually found find very interesting. And it was highlighted in particular recently when uh, down in uh, Durham, there was the announcement of um, a sort of like year-long project where they'd, they'd uncovered and then researched and now were presenting the remains of some captured Scottish warriors from the Civil War. And the modern political implications of that had to be handled very carefully, especially in the in the aftermath of the of the Scottish referendum vote. Um, you talk about distance 
uh, from what's being researched, but also the, the sensitivity of what's being talked about. Uh, how much do you think it is a responsibility of an archaeologist to actually not be too concerned yeah. with that? Well, I talked about distance and intimacy, didn't mm. I? So I'm talking about a combination of things. You know, uh, the reality is the past, if we want to make judgments about identity, if we want to make judgments about group membership, if we want to make judgments about others or about ourselves, it doesn't let anyone off the hook. Mm. And mm. that is one of the points about it. It doesn't allow anyone to, to relax or to sink into complacency. The past is constantly challenging the thoughtful present. Mm -hmm. And so people who want to talk in terms of one particular form of identity or another as if it is monolithic, mm -hmm. as if it is unchanging, unassailable and somehow privileged, well, those people often can become quite dangerous people in their most extreme form. Mm. And actually, looking at the past, we can see that it was never that simple. Mm. So it's our responsibility to encourage people to understand the context of what we're saying. It's our, our responsibility to recognise that human, human beings are extraordinarily complex and varied in their behaviours uh, and, and uh, a simplistic uh, view of, of group identity, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, include, determinedly seeks to exclude some in order to include others, uh, is, 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 a, is a dangerous, potentially very dangerous thing. Archaeology doesn't let us off the hook if we're really mm. thinking about it. Mm. It actually challenges us in that way on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, yeah, and that one, nor should it. I think, I think it was, um, uh, I'm going to go into the realm of psychology here, I think it was Young who said something like, one of the problems with groups of people is so that they only define themselves by what they're not. Yep. They very rarely define themselves by what they are. Uh, and that's, that's something where archaeology often is used as a battleground, I think, certainly. Um, what do you think, what uh, challenges are facing archaeology in, in coming years, do you think? What, what do you think is on the horizon for, for the field? Well, I mean, it, it just gets more and more exciting. Um, one of the things that we're dealing with now is we're able to, to, to work with quantities of data that were previously inconceivable, quite literally. Um, at the same time, uh, archaeologists, of course, uh, do not have some absolute consensus about many things that people assume we would all agree on, mm -hmm. uh, even how you excavate a site. Mm -hmm. the, the variety is extraordinary. There's some areas where I would say we're looking at outstanding uh, uh, techniques which, which people will continue to value in the years to come. There are other areas where I would say archaeologists are some of the most lethal enemies of, of the past and heritage because they are simply agents of, 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 of uh, destruction uh, rather than actually uh, that, that crucial in, in, in responsibility to future generations um, uh, that, that obliges one to look very creatively at the most active and effective forms of, of recording and documentation um, are, that are possible. Um, so we've got the issue of the scale of data. We've got something which I think we're actually pretty good at mm -hmm. uh, and I'd like to see us build on and that is um, as I said earlier on, we're all archaeologists. Society actually is, is bound up with people constantly engaging with material culture subconsciously uh, and, and actually studying others, sub often subconsciously, through, through what they're seeing of their use of material culture, their selection of material culture. So we have a huge reservoir of people who want to be engaged with us at various levels. And 
part of the future of archaeology is, 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 is also about hybridity. There are multiple different ways that everyone can get involved and everyone can contribute. So how do we harness that? We can talk about harnessing computer power. Mm -hmm. We can talk about, but, but I'm also interested in harnessing human capital. Um, I still feel, though, that we have an educational job to do. Uh, frankly, it's rather tedious to see how ignorant some, sometimes those who should know better can be about what archaeologists really do. Yes, of course, many of us do the commonly imagined things. <laughs> <laughs> many of us do the commonly imagined things of, of excavation. And, you know, excavation is great. I've done a lot of it. I mm. hope to do a lot more. It's really, really important. But there's just so much more that is integral to it. Mm. So one of the things I'd say is archaeology still has a battle, and I feel this acutely at university, both in terms of bringing people into the subject and making sure that our very talented graduates can touch on so many different areas of, of, of society, mm. um, is, is demonstrating the range of skills and abilities that make a good archaeologist. Quite extraordinary, really, when you think of the different types of talents and things that are needed. So getting that across is very important. Mm. Um, and ultimately, it is always, with all of this, staying conscious uh, of the fact that archaeology is both a very important undertaking because it, it does continue to raise questions that, that frankly, uh, uh, serve to... Uh, I, I hope prevent ossified thinking about a whole range of different topics. So it continues to challenge, but there's also something about people like me are in a very privileged position. Mm -hmm. I have a job that for a lot of people is a dream job. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an extra obligation that comes with that privilege to be communicating, mm -hmm. to make sure that what I'm doing uh, is actually shared with all of those other people who ultimately, one way or another, helped make it possible. Whether it's the landowner who's giving you the rights to go on the site, whether it's the taxpayer who's investing in part of it, not by any means all of the funding, uh, whether it's the individual benefactor, whether it's the corporate sponsor, whether it is the student or the volunteer who is giving me a their time, mm -hmm. time is a huge resource, uh, to help make that project work, mm -hmm. whether it's my fellow professionals who are often in a situation where they're not uh, enjoying the security of contract uh, or the, the level of uh, professional remuneration that frankly they deserve mm -hmm. for their gifts, uh, mm -hmm. their skills and, and their commitment. Mm -hmm. And I suppose as well, it's we were worthwhile tagging on there that I suppose the tacit approval of society. Ultimately, if, if there wasn't a niche um, for archaeology to exist, which was provided by, I suppose, group consensus, then we, we couldn't do what we do. Really. I, 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 I don't see that as something that we tag on. I see that mm. as something that's central. That's mm. why I say that the privilege of mm. being a professor of archaeology mm. um, is linked to the obligation, the moral obligation to communicate. Mm. And uh, this, to my mind, is actually uh, what being a professor or a chair of a subject is. It's mm. being an ambassador, driving the subject forward, yes, in the highest levels of specialization within your field, but also to that society, mm -hmm. to that society whose, whose goodwill um, makes it possible and whose heritage, after all, whose past it is that you're engaging with. Mm. 
The archaeologist sometimes has an almost Shiva-like quality. They are at one and the same time the sort of creator and destroyer, the creator, conserver, destroyer uh, of, of, of our shared past. Mm. That's a huge deal. Mm. Uh, one has to uh, make what one's doing as transparent as possible um, throughout. Mm -hmm. That's the big challenge. Okay, um, so I suppose finally, really, there's, there's one more question that I tend to ask um, everyone who I interview on this series, and that is, what is your particular advice for aspiring archaeologists? Uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Most people tend to say, oh, just dive in or whatever. But, um, but I suppose something a bit, bit more yeah, sure. bit particular would be really good. Yeah, okay. Well, I think there are a number of points when, when uh, talking to aspiring archaeologists. One of them is that you can aspire to be an archaeologist at any stage of your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody, I find, has something that they can bring to archaeology. So uh, this is not a question that is simply and exclusively aimed at someone who is perhaps uh, thinking about what subjects to study at school. It's mm -hmm. equally aimed to someone who is perhaps in the young or even older retired and thinking, how can I contribute? Because there are so many ways that you contribute to in archaeology. There's another bit of advice I'd offer, and that's this. Um, particularly for those at the beginning of their careers, uh, they'll often be bombarded with a series of horror stories. They'll be told, not incorrectly, that of course archaeology is, is an area which is amongst the lowest paid graduate professions. Uh, they'll be told about short contracts. Mm -hmm. They might be told actually that it can be really much more miserable than you can imagine uh, working uh, on a watching brief in a car park <laughs> in an archaeologically sterile site in early January in a howling gale. But I would say this, in my career, I'm always meeting people who will say, I always wanted to do that, mm. and I wish I had. Mm. Now, you need to make a call in life, really. It may be for archaeology, it may be something else. But you need to make a call. Is that really how you want to be feeling uh, in your later years, that this was something that you missed? Now... I won't pretend that it's straightforward. There are often people who imagine that, for example, someone like myself naturally just went through a series of steps to become a professor of archaeology. It's, it's not that straightforward. Uh, for me too, there were short-term contracts. There are areas when I was having to use my, my savings to sustain myself for a while in a, in a volunteer role. Uh, there have been huge pressures on the family, which has never been, uh, never been easy to be away for, for sustained periods. Um, there have been sacrifices and uh, as I say uh, there were times when it could all have gone wrong mm. so what however did um, strike me the most important thing well I wouldn't say necessarily just dive in I'd go beyond just dive in I would say that there are so many ways to build your uh, effectiveness as an archaeologist so think about what you're already good at if you're further along in your career particularly, all sorts of things can be really useful transferable skills in archaeology. So get a good rounded picture of what archaeologists do. But experience, experience, experience. And that applies uh, right the way through. Um, I have met many outstanding doctoral students who are really very good at being doctoral students. They still need a huge amount more experience, uh, invariably in the field um, and beyond. So experience, experience, experience. Get as much of that as you can, as varied as you can. You'll find you use all of it, mm -hmm. or if you don't use all of it, it enriches you for life. Mm. And don't 
forget that there are many types of archaeologists. Mm -hmm. There are many types of archaeologists out there. So mm -hmm. there is an archaeological shape for you out there. Be confident about that. Um, and a final, perhaps more time-specific point. Um, I think that it is highly likely in Britain uh, that we are going to see in the very near term major infrastructure projects where we have trouble actually staffing them because there aren't enough uh, field archaeologists for those jobs. So this is actually an exciting time. If you're thinking, should I get into this? Then this is potentially the chance to get some of the first paid employment with some really outstanding commercial archaeology units we have in Britain, some really super people out there to get that experience. And for many, uh, a career in the field uh, is what they aspire to and they continue with uh, for, for, for many years to all of our benefit. Um, uh, for others, uh, that is a stage, a couple of years perhaps uh, in, in the field and then moving into other areas of archaeological work. Um, but it's a wonderful world, mm -hmm. and I would I would say, go for it. Uh, archaeologists do tend to share uh, a willingness to think out of the box, uh, to have an aspect of the risk taker, uh, to be uh, practical people, uh, to be people who can get on well in difficult situations. Um, therefore, they are a good thing for society as a whole. So even if you start in archaeology and then you decide it's not for you, you will find that that extra exposure to archaeology makes you, I believe, a more useful uh, colleague, employer, uh, and perhaps a more empathetic person too. Mm. Go for it. This is like a, it's like a, a human crucible. <laughs> uh, okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time this morning. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. And I'm sure uh, people will find the answers to your questions very interesting. So please do, incidentally, guys, comment below. Uh, and if not, uh, if not Ian, then certainly I'll uh, have a look at the comments and pass on any questions you might have to him. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www dot archaeologypodcastnetwork dot com